good morning. So I brought some uh, chocolates up here just to keep you all engaged. So at the end of the service today, we're gonna, you, you should have got some tickets, right? You got ticket when you came in. Uh, so we're gonna draw some names. Somebody's gonna win. Each week this month, somebody's gonna win one of those chocolate things. Uh, and then we also have, um, we also have some uh, dinner options for you. Today, we're giving away Taco Bell because nothing says love like diarrhea. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was, I, <laughs> I, I only said that because my mother-in-law attends here and I, I knew she'd be uncomfortable with that. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm gonna give you some information that I, I, am, I am relatively sure you did not know this morning. Uh, an adult humpback whale forages for food 90% of its waking hours every day. So let me make sure we understand what that is. If a humpback whale is only awake for 12 hours every day, 90% of that means that at uh, lunch and dinner, they forage for about 5.4 hours each time. That leaves only 1.2 hours of every day for the humpback whale uh, pod to try and figure out important things like how to solve world hunger uh, and uh, uh, figuring out time travel. This is not very much time, and those are big problems, and so that doesn't give them much time to do that. Uh, In contrast to the humpback whale, the average puppy or kitten spend between 18 and 20 hours every day asleep leaving just uh, four to six hours for feeding and destroying furniture and marking their territory and stealing food and knocking things off of counters. Um, The reason I tell you that is because uh, these are pets and many people consider their pet not just a part of their family, but in some cases their most important relationship. And relationships are what we're going to be talking about in this series for the next three weeks after today. Uh, But just in case you were wondering, we're only going to spend a a portion, a fraction of uh, this month talking about uh, animals. Um, So there'll be some other trivia next week. Uh, Relationships are an integral part of our life on planet Earth. In fact, I would go so far as to say relationships are a vital part of our life on planet Earth. The Christian uh, poet John Donne said, no man is an island entire of itself. So you and I, we can't get away from relationships. Every interaction with another human being is a relationship in some varying degree. Some relationships are are surface relationships. So we never really learn very much. Like we might see somebody, we might recognize their face, but we really don't know anything about them. Some relationships that we have are like subatomic. Like we really know the minor details, the really small things about that person's life. But all relationships that we have reveal something about who we are as people, and, and I think especially as, a, uh, as followers of King Jesus. And, and the reality is that the more you know someone, 
the more you know about someone. The longer that relationship, the deeper that relationship, the more you know about them. It's just the way things work. So look at relationships um, another way. What does a magnifying glass do? Makes things bigger, right? Magnifies things. Um, But it does something else. Uh, A magnifier, is this? Okay, good. A magnifier helps us see clearly what we miss casually. Right? Magnifier helps us see clearly those things that we might miss casually. So a a drop of blood, it looks normal on the outside. It it looks like every other drop of blood that we've ever seen. And it doesn't matter the color of your skin or where you're from in the country. Every drop of blood looks the same casually. But if you put it under magnification, you might find things like cancer cells within that drop of blood. At first glance, a lot of people seem really great. We might walk away from a a very brief encounter going, man, that person is really, really awesome. But as we look more closely, those red flags start to appear. And so the, the closer or more intimate a relationship gets, the more clearly we can see the other person, who they are and what they're about and what makes them tick. Your relationship with the Dylan's checker uh, at the grocery store, Walmart, or, or wherever, uh, at, at uh, Dollar Tree, <laughs> your relationship with the, uh, the checker um, is, is not going to be very deep. You're not going to know about them. They're really not going to know anything about you. But your relationship with the people that you live with, that you work with every day, that you're with constantly, especially your relationship with the person that you're intimate with, they see you much more clearly. And so let me just um, throw this out there since we're talking about relationships today, and I love to make you uncomfortable. Um, This is part of the reason that sex was designed by God to be experienced only within the confines of marriage. It was not designed to be, uh, uh, to, to be engaged in, um, in, a, in a committed relationship, not in a dating relationship, and certainly not with a stranger, those kind of things we call a one-night stand. Why? Because the very nature of sexual intimacy requires a level of trust, a level of knowledge back and forth that's only really, truly experienced within a lasted, committed marriage relationship. And so um, just in case you're wondering, God's prohibition on sex outside of marriage is not about keeping you from experiencing something good. It's about keeping that experience good. So sex outside of marriage, it doesn't cheapen the passion. There's all kinds of passion, whatever, when there's intimacy going on. It doesn't cheapen the passion. It does cheapen us as people. And I think part of the reason that that's true is because it's difficult to get excited about sex with the same person for the rest of your life when every sexual relationship you've had up to that point has been with a different person. It affects us. But no matter the type of relationship that you have, the more intimate the relationship, the more clearly you see the other person. And that's something we often miss in reading humanity's creation story, and that's what we're gonna do right now. You thought we were out of Genesis 1, 
at the end of the last series last week, we are not. Let's go back. Genesis 1, 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image and the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with a seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. It was moad good, it was much good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now, verse 26, um, I don't know if you caught it. It starts out like a question. Like God is suggesting this. He says, uh, hey, uh, how about we make man, we make mankind in our image and in our likeness, and then we give them dominion over the fish and the birds and the animals and all the stuff, and we let them kind of rule in our place. And so God is kind of like making this suggestion But the only character that we've been introduced to so far in the story, because we're only 26 verses into the creation origin story, the only person we've been introduced to is God. But God says, let us, multiple, plural, make man in our image, like us. And then like us, we'll let them rule over the stuff that we just created. Now before humans had been um, created, God was giving us a picture of healthy relationships. This is the way it's supposed to work. We get a a picture of relationship in the very beginning. Before we know anything else, we know that there's a relationship between God and these other beings and they're talking and they're working things out and they seem to get along. He's working together with others. And there must have been agreement because in the next verses, verses 28 to 31, God does exactly what he said he was gonna do in verse 26. He goes, hey, how about we do this thing? And then he creates man in verse 27. And then what does he do? He gives them dominion over the fish and the birds and the animals and the creatures and he has them rule in his place. He does exactly what he said he was going to do. The challenge is for you and I, when we read this passage, we kind of skim over all of that other stuff. What we get hung up on is this little phrase, in his own image. What does that mean? What does it mean to be created in the image of God? Well, first off, I think God wanted us to discover that he wasn't the only one involved in creation. Remember that in Genesis 1, chapter 2, it says that, um, or Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we're told that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters of the deep, if you remember that from early in the last um, series. And now in verse 27, we're told that God is sharing his plan for creation, for humanity, with others. And they appear to all agree, because then they do what was suggested. Now, later in Scripture, if you continue reading um, 
the, the Bible, by the way, celebrate with me a little bit. Um, I'm an embarrasser. Um, Kathy told me last week she just finished reading through the whole Bible first time in your life, right? That's an awesome accomplishment. I was glad to hear that. Uh, and so you start in the beginning, and then as you read the rest of the story, you find out that Jesus was there at creation with God. Read the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And it says in the beginning, there, there, Jesus was there. And through Jesus, all of this stuff that is, was created. And, and then we're introduced to God the Father, and we're introduced to God the Son, we're introduced to God the Holy Spirit. And so if you remember back to the last series, we have this pattern of three in, in Genesis. Uh, God was uh, creative, and he was spirit, and he was word. And then we have the three times that the word bara creates creation is used in the creation story. And then we just looked at the three-part creation of man. Um, God created mankind in his image, in uh, in his image, he created a singular man, uh, Adam, and, and then he created male and female uh, as well. And so we have this three-part thing that happens. There were three parts to all of this creation. It's very poemish, right? Like it's just this repeated kind of thing. But what is it about humanity that makes us image bearers of God? What is it specifically that makes us image bearers of God? That's what we want to know. And there've been all kinds of discussions and, 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 and arguments and debates about this issue. Um, some people will tell you that uh, because we walk upright, um, unlike other animals, that is part of the image of God. That's how we image God or we reflect God. But God is spirit. He doesn't have legs. He doesn't walk around. He doesn't need, he doesn't need to. So that doesn't really make sense. Um, some say that the way that we image God is our e eternalness. Like, like we have an enter date. We're born into the world, but we have no expiration date. We're created at birth to be eternal. And so maybe that's how we are image bearers of God. Some say that the image of God is found in our um, dominion or our rule over the rest of God's creation. Um, there were or some who would tell you that man was created in God's image, but woman was created from man's image. And so somehow women are lesser uh, than men in God's creation um, story. And I'll just um, say this. Um, if you want to fight, uh, bring that nonsense to me and, and we'll fight. Um, because, I'm, I'm, because I've looked at it. <laughs> and there is one passage that talks about, uh, I think it's in Corinthians, and it talks about um, man is the image of God and woman is the image of, of man. Um, but he is not talking about our relationship to God. Woman is not lesser. In fact, everything else that you read in Scripture is about man and woman being equal in the sight of, of God. And, and so you've you got a challenge there to overcome. And one of the big things that separates us from God's image, the thing that we're not image bearers of God in, is our desire to be su superior over others instead of a servant of others, right? And we see this all the time. We, we want to be superior over other people. We don't want to, to serve them. And, and so um, 
I was talking to somebody the other day and they were talking about how they had left their job. And they were like, I, I loved my job. It was a great job. I love the people that I, I worked with, but my manager was terrible. Why are managers terrible? Because they often want to be superior over the people that work with them instead of being a servant to them. So um, listen, it, it's not just a single, I got an Andrea hair on my shirt. Oh my goodness, that's gonna mess with me the rest of the, okay, I think I got it. Um, it is not one single thing that makes us more or less in God's image. So that list we just went to, it's not one of those things that we can just pick out and we can go, okay, this is the reason we were created in God's image. It's not just our ability to reason. It's not just our spirituality. It's not just our ability to walk upright. I think there's an argument to be made that we image God together. The way we image God is together. Humanity or the idea of humanity was all brought about at the same time. And it's our togetherness that allows us to image the relationship that God had with the Spirit and the Son in the beginning. And we have that image. We reflect that image back to God when we are together, when we function together as God intended, meaning the whole species of humanity together images God, all of us, no matter our gender or even our age, but rather it's our interconnectedness, male and female, working together for the same cause that is the best picture or image of God. Now remember, at this point in, in history, when um, God gives to Moses the origin story, right? Israel has been... Um, in slavery for 250 years, roughly, in Egypt. They have been freed by God through 10 remarkable shows of his mighty power. They come out, they cross the Gulf of Aqaba, and then they're in the desert. And eventually, they come to Mount Sinai, a, a, a mountain, a hill in the desert. And it's there that God meets with Moses on the mountain, and he speaks with them. And he gives Moses humanity's creation story. So we, we think about um, at this point in human history, when we're finally told by God how we all got here, there was a lot of stuff here already. Um, in fact, you, you think about it, uh, the pyramids were already there. So God is telling Moses how we got here thousands of years after that event had taken place. The great pyramids were already built. The Jewish people understood the things that Moses was talking about in light of the culture that they had been living in um, since the beginning. So they had a framework for all the things that Moses said, the way that they thought and the things that were come to mind. And, and so when Moses comes down the mountain and he shares this origin story with the people, they would have understood that in relation to what was going on in the world at the time. It was well known that many kings of nations believed that they had a divine right to rule and to be king in that setting. Um, they believed that it wasn't just their necessarily their familial lineage, 
But these kings would claim that they themselves were handpicked by, by God, lowercase g, um, by God or by the gods that they worship in order to rule. And so in that sense, and the Jewish people would have understood, the kings talked about being the image of God on earth. They had divine right to rule over everybody else. It's part of why they believed they could treat people so poorly. If I am handpicked by God to rule and I've been set apart from everybody else on the planet, then you don't matter as much as I do. And now I'm superior instead of your servant. That's how many nations looked at their king as though he was the image of God on earth. But in the beginning, there already was a king. Since God created it, God controls it, right? I mean, if you're the one that makes it all, then you're the one that gets to make the decisions. And so um, verse 26 in Genesis chapter one could read this way. Let us make humanity in our image so that they together might have dominion over this creation that we've made. So God is speaking here and he's like, look, we've created this planet. We've set it in the perfect place in the universe, exactly how far away from the sun it needs to be. We've hung it here perfectly. Everything is just right for humanity to exist on this planet. Now let's give them control of the planet. In other words, God was giving humanity the role of rulership over the creation that he himself was king over. And so unlike other nations, Israel did not see their king as a God, but as a man chosen by that God to rule over the nation in God's place. Or God wanted this king to rule like God would rule. God wanted humanity to have dominion over the earth in the same way that God would rule or have dominion over the earth. It's why the first duty of every Jewish king was to write down by hand in their own handwriting to copy the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. That was what the king of Israel was supposed to do. The very first act of their being king was to copy the Torah. And so God gives humanity the choice to trust his version of good or evil, or good and evil, or, or decide for themselves what was good or evil. And, and if you remember, this is the story of the snake in, in the garden. This was the point of that story. Are Adam and Eve going to choose what God says is right and wrong or good and evil, or are they going to take that rule that role in themselves and define good and evil on their own. Do you want to rule under God or do you want to rule over God? That really was the question for Adam and Eve. And guess what? That's the question for us today. <laughs> we may not like, uh, DJ talked about uh, rules as a parent and God has rules and we may not like those rules and we may decide, I don't want to live under the rule of God. I want to make the rules myself. I want to rule over God. I want to do what I want to do. And so we have this choice. We've chosen to use our power for the benefit of others 
or we use our power selfishly and we define good and evil for ourselves. And look, in today's world, and again, I think DJ kind of mentioned that. We did not plan that, by the way. It just worked out. Um, it just worked out. The way that most of us rule is, is like this. We want to rule by my truth instead of the truth. <laughs> we, want to, we want to rule over God instead of being ruled by God and coming under God's kingship and rulership. We want to, we want to define truth and right and wrong for ourselves we don't want to follow in line with the truth and, and be told what to do. And so God's intention in the beginning was that humanity would partner with him to harness the earth's potential, to make the earth something more, to make something new out of it. And we were to do that by, by growing things. Where does God put Adam and Eve? In a garden. And he says, look, all of this stuff that I've given you, I've given you and, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to grow food first. And then I want you to grow families and I want you to grow neighborhoods and I want you to grow communities and then, and then grow cities that are gonna expand and to new places and they're gonna discover new technologies so that we can all grow even more. But instead of ruling in God's image, we chose to make up our own image. We chose to do things our own way. We chose to rule over God instead of coming under God. But, but listen, I, I mean, we, get, um, we talk down to ourselves enough, right? As individuals, as humanity, we're mad at everybody in the world and why can we do that? We do some horrible things. And, and humanity is flawed. We're sinful. The Bible says that we, don't, we can't do any good on our own. There's some problems here. But, but even with those problems, we're still the only creatures on the planet charged with ruling creation. We're still the only one of God's creatures, of God's creation that we're told to rule over the rest of the world and have dominion over it. Every other one of God's creatures cares only for itself or its kind except humanity. Now, if you're a pet person, you might, you're like, your heart rate's probably starting to beat a little faster. You're like, but you don't know my sweet Nobody's going to say my sweet kitty cat, my sweet dog. You don't, you don't know how good my pet is. Your pet may be um, great, but they were not chosen to rule over every other creature. And they really don't care about any other creature except them or their, their kind. Um, look... Uh, humpback whales, and you wondered if they were going to come back in the message. Well, here they are. Uh, humpback whales will never get together in that 1.2 hours that they are awake every day and figure out a way to rid the world's oceans of trash. The, the, I'm, I'm telling you right now, the humpback whale will not come up with that solution. Um, and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Uh, the humpback whales didn't create that trash. It's not their responsibility to, to clean it up. And, and you may be right, but I would argue that um, in the world as a whole, the US, America, 
is responsible for only a fraction of the trash that is in the ocean currently. And yet, America spends more money and time and effort cleaning up the world's oceans than any other nation out there. Um, dogs and cats, they are never gonna pool their money together, and they, they have money. Uh, they are never gonna pool their money together to hire Sarah McLaughlin to sing the background music uh, for a commercial to stop human abuse. They, they will not do that. Um, so let me say it this way. You and I, humanity, we are capable of terrible atrocities. We can do terrible things both toward one another and to our planet, right? I mean, if you can't agree with anything else, you can agree with this. We have done some pretty awful things, but we are also capable of doing more than any other of God's creatures to right those wrongs. And if, and if it's going to be, if it's gonna be put right, we're the ones that are gonna to have to do it physically. Humanity has a lot of problems. And the closer that we get to one another, the greater the magnification is turned up, right? We can see things more clearly in other people. It's why marriage is difficult. Even when marriage was created to be delightful, it's difficult. It's why in our daily lives, we often deal better with strangers than with our siblings or our spouse. And the reason is because we know these people better and they know us better. My wife knows more about me than any other person uh, on the planet. And, and it's because of that, that she can get more upset with me than any other person on the planet. So what do we do? We have this humanity that, that had the opportunity to rule in God's image and, and do everything right, and we blew it. And now we're doing some pretty terrible things to each other, to the, to the world. And so what do we do? I think the answer is that we work together to be the image of God. We say it this way at Real Life, we look more like Jesus every day. If you go to the New Testament, the very last book in the New Testament, this book called Revelation. Revelation is a picture of what can happen when God is on his throne and humanity rules together in relationship in God's image. Taking humanity, taking creation into new and uncharted areas of growth and, and development. Revelation is a picture of what God intended in the beginning. It's the bookend to creation, where all that sin and stuff is taken away and separated from God's good creation. We have the opportunity finally to rule with him in his image together. And Jesus is our example. Jesus ruled as God, serving and seeking the best for others instead of claiming superiority over others. In fact, scripture says Jesus didn't consider his equality with God something to be used as a bat to beat everybody over the head with. 
Instead, he took on the nature of a servant. He served other people. He showed us how to live as the image of God. He offers us a new way to be human. That's why the later biblical writers would call him the image of God or the new human. Look, when we look more like Jesus, first to our family and then to our friends and ultimately to everybody that we come in contact with, it's then that we become the image of God to the world. And, and it's then that we'll see our relationships begin to improve. Let's pray. God, thanks for loving us. Thank you for the example that you give us in Jesus of, of not, just, not just how to live, not just how to be the image of God, not just how to, 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 to function with dominion over creation, but how to serve and, and how to love and how to work together with other people who, who aren't always on the same page. And we see that in everything that Jesus did. He, he called these 12 guys to be in relationship with him, to know him better than anybody else and, and for him to know them better than anybody else. And, and we know there were problems even in that group of people. And so Father, um, you have called us to something greater, to rule over this planet in your place, to rule as you would have or would rule. And we've messed it up. But with your help, as we follow the example of Jesus, as we strive to look more like him every day, we can become that new humanity and we can be that light and we can show the rest of the world how to be in relationship with other people, how to be the image of God on earth. Help us to do that, Father, in Jesus' name.